You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. find his comfort. That's where we find strength. Knowing that our Father who loved us so much that before we were born, centuries before we were born, he sent a Savior. A Savior that said, I will take away their sins. I will be sin for them. God's plan was perfect. What beautiful truth. The gospel is life-giving and contagious, and that's not because it promises health or wealth. Following Jesus will take you to hard places, but as Pastor Dave will explain in today's message, we find peace, comfort, and strength when we encounter the immeasurable love and grace that he offers. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 15 as he continues his message, The Division. Barnabas was determined to take John Mark. Was he wrong? Who's to say? Now, the Apostle Paul, on the other hand, his verbiage was he insisted that John Mark not go. He was insisting that John Mark not go. Listen to the definition of insisting. It means to press or urge for anything with immovable firmness to persist in demands as to insist in oppressive terms in a treaty or to insist on the immediate payment of a debt. You know, the entire time I'm reading this, I'm scratching my head, said, Paul, you wrote the epistle of Philippians. You talked about the submissive mind. Everywhere you go, you talk about the submissive mind. Where is the submissive mind in this? What happened, Paul? What was his insistence based on? Experience. John Mark had left him. John Mark had quit him. He deemed John Mark a quitter. That's all he was concerned about, John Mark's reliability. He couldn't be counted on. He was unreliable. Some of the translation says that Paul thought it not good that John Mark go. That's what it says. Now, you think, well, thought it not good and insisting, they they sound different. The Greek verbiage means really that he was saying John Mark was not entitled to go. He wasn't worthy to go. He wasn't fitting to go. You know, can't help but think the Apostle Paul was thinking that old saying, quit me once, shame on you. Quit me twice, shame on me. And he was saying, that ain't going to happen. You're not going to get a chance to do that again, pal. Both men were firm in their resolve about the issue at hand. Neither had a submissive attitude. Each thought they were right. This attitude always leads to trouble. Both men held their ground. Both men could not be moved. And the discussion turned into an argument. The argument leads to division. Look at verse 39a. Then the contention became so sharp that they departed from one another. Contention 
means words of strife. It means anger. It means controversy. And remember, these men were not arguing over doctrine. We talked about that. When there's an argument about doctrine, you have to stay with the doctrine. You have to stay with what the Bible says. These men were arguing about a team member. It's as bad as us when we get to the new building, arguing about the color of the floor. Arguing about that curtain should be open. No, it should be closed. No, it should be open. These guys were arguing about team members. You know, some of the biggest arguments I ever had have been over the smallest things. Who was right? It don't really matter. And it really makes no difference. Perhaps each of them was right on their own count. And there was some right in each of them, as usually happens in arguments. You've heard it said there is one side, there's the other side, and then there's the truth. Who was right? We do know that Scripture says John Mark ultimately succeeded in ministry. He ultimately became a huge help to who? The Apostle Paul. He ended up being a huge help to the Apostle Paul. Read about it in Philemon 23 and 24, or Colossians 4.10, or 2 Timothy 4.11. Read about how Paul asks for John Mark, asks for him to come, and says these words, because he has been a big help to me. Wiersbe concludes this, good and godly people in the church do disagree. This is one of the painful facts of life and we must accept it. Paul looked at people and said, what can they do for God's work? Barnabas looked at people and said, what can God's work do for them? Both questions are important in the Lord's work. And sometimes it's difficult for us to balance out things. Sometimes it's difficult for us to be in balance. Look what happens as we finish this chapter, verse 39 and 41. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So the dream team breaks apart and becomes two dream teams. Now, hmm, let's think about this. Got one team only going to one area, making all kinds of disciples, and all of a sudden now you have Two teams going to different areas, still making disciples. Hmm, sounds pretty good to me. Sounds like a pretty good deal. We know all about John Mark, but who is Silas? We know all about John Mark. Well, we found out in Acts 15.32 that Silas was a prophet. Did you know that Silas is one of the co-authors of the epistles to the Thessalonian church? Look at that in 1 Thessalonians 1.1 1, 1, and 2 Thessalonians 1.1. 1, 1. His name is up there. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Boom. We also know that Silas was a Roman citizen. We find that in Acts 16.37. So I guess what's the question for today? What's the question that we have to resolve today? Does the Lord allow disputes, arguments, even division to guide us and help us accomplish his purpose? Absolutely. Sometimes the Lord will use interpersonal difficulty to guide us along. Now, instead of one team going out with the Word of God, there are two covering even more ground. Are arguments and disputes 
and division the best way to allow God to guide you? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's much better for us to be led by the Holy Spirit, by the word of wisdom, or learn from a teaching, or counsel from another brother. But the problem is, I'm too thick-skulled. I'm too thick-skulled. My thinking is too dull. My heart is sometimes too hard to hear a word of wisdom or to receive from another brother or to accept counsel. I'd rather lock heads with somebody. That's just my flesh. That's just what I deal with. Hmm. Didn't Jesus say the spirit is so willing, but the flesh is so weak? As we look back at the scriptures we studied today, I can see the Holy Spirit's hand involved in this. I can see the Holy Spirit's hand involved in this. All the way through Acts 15, I see the Holy Spirit's hand making the decisions and making the choices. Let me just give you what I see. You might not see it the same way, but this is how I look at it. There are three verses. There are three verses to me that talk about the Holy Spirit, and they use the same language. This is why I'm saying I think it's the Holy Spirit. In Acts 15.25, we read this, And it seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Acts 15.28, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. And finally, in verse 34, it says, However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. It seemed good. The same verses, it seemed good. There's a common thread here. Each time in this verse is used, we see the picture of the Holy Spirit's leading. Why were the men in one accord? Why were they in unity? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was moving among them. The Holy Spirit actually told them to lay lay no further burden upon them when it gave James the will to stand up in the assembly. And finally, Silas is at Antioch. Silas is there. He's preaching and teaching the word of God, and all his buddies leave. They all go back to Jerusalem. But for some reason, it seemed good for Silas to stay there. We don't think the Lord knows what's coming next. We don't think the Lord is always moving things in directions, setting up stuff, things that happen, decisions that we make, the Lord uses. He uses for his purpose. What? The Lord works everything together for good? Yeah, that's the scripture. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, I have found such rest and comfort in this verse when I'm faced with all kinds of situations that I can't understand. Disappointments, setbacks, things I just don't understand. I'm prone to be concerned or worried and I get upset. And then this verse comes to mind. You know, we're not always going to understand the circumstances of our lives. We don't always understand why things happen in our lives. We don't always understand why God is doing what he does in our lives. And you might be one of those who want to know, God, why are you doing this? Well, sometimes he doesn't share that with us. Sometimes he doesn't choose to share that as to why he's doing a certain thing in our life. But I've said this before, that when you come up against something that you can't understand, it's always important to go back to the foundations that you understand, the foundations of our Christianity. What do I understand? 
understand that God loved me. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. I understand that God is wiser than I. I understand that God has in control of all the circumstances that surround my life. I understand these things. And when I understand these things, I can look at this verse and go, oh, okay. So that's what you're doing. Somehow in this is going to be good. Don't know how, but somehow in this is going to be good. Anything that happens to me, anything that happens to you, happens only because God has allowed it to happen in your life. Think on that. Anything that happens to you, anything that happens to me, it's because God has allowed it to happen into your life. It could not happen unless God did not allow it to happen. Now, God loves me, and he's working out the best for me. And because he's doing that, I can be comfortable in all circumstances. I can be comfortable in all situations. I put my faith in God, knowing that he's going to use this for my good and my glory. Many, many, many people quote this verse. Many, many people quote 828 when you're going through a problem. But do we realize the one word that it says, we know God works all things together for good. That's wonderful. According to his purpose. No, 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 no. You got that wrong, God. It's according to Dave's purpose. I want this circumstance to turn out the way I want it to turn out. Well, Dave, you're not God, I am. And it's going to turn out the way I want it to turn out. Oh. There's comfort in that. There really is comfort in that. Confusion for me, but the confusion is from the devil. I should be comforted and know that God's doing it, that God cares enough about me to do it, that he worries about every situation I'm in. Yeah, I sent this uh, trial to you. I know you're going to handle it. I know you're going to get through it. I'm there with you. Any help? Call. I'm right there. Looks pretty tough, doesn't it? Ah, come on. Buckle up. Rub some dirt on it. It's going to be fine. You'll get through it. Remember the last time I brought you through that? Remember the last time this happened and you came through? Didn't I work there? Well, yeah, you did. Well, why wouldn't I work now? But this problem is too big. Wait a minute, Dave. Have I left the throne? Have I abdicated the throne, thrown to somebody else? Nah, I'm still there. I'm still on the throne. I'm still right where I'm supposed to be, in control. Comforted. I'm comforted. I'm comforted. Told you about my flying experience. I'll repeat it one more time. I don't fly well. That's an understatement. We were at a conference, and we were coming back from a conference on Spirit Airlines, and the plane was late, and I started into my pacing. Like one of the tigers at the Cape May Zoo before they feed them. Oh, man. man, I'm pacing. The hands are ringing. You know what? The only thing I like about flying is getting off the airplane. Only thing I like about it. Don't put me on it. Don't close that door. Don't tell me I got to stay seated. Don't take off and fly. I don't see wings flapping. What's going on here? Getting off the airplane? Boy, I'm there. I love that. And I'm in my mode. Man, I'm walking. Be sitting over there with her normal. Looking around. Does anybody know he's with me? I'm panicking because we're going to board a stupid airplane for a two-and-a-half-hour flight back to Atlantic City International. Plane's finally here. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Let's get on with this thing. 
I'm standing there and I'm shaking. All these people are walking off the airplane. All these people are walking off the airplane. I'm like, finally, this one lady walks off the airplane in a red shirt with huge bright letters. God is in control. Are you trying to tell me something, Lord? Are you talking to me now? What? You got my attention. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's in control. Because you know what? The last thing I want to do is die in a plane wreck. But it's a win-win situation. I'm either going to get to my destination or I'm going to be with God in glory. What do we worry about? I'm sure Paul and Barnabas did not feel good as the result of this contention, as the result of their thing. But God's purpose was to double the teams. God had a purpose in this crazy argument that they had to double the teams, to send more people out. Remember we talked about the persecution of Stephen? What did that do? It made everybody flee. What did they take with them? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And it started to spread. God has a purpose in everything. Yes, even Stephen's death. Even Stephen's death had a purpose that God had already planned and ordained. When I look at these scriptures, I'm comforted in another reason too. I see that God doesn't choose perfect people to do his work. That really comforts me. If God chose people, perfect people, none of the work would get done. God chooses imperfect people to do his work. And I'm so happy about that. God changed the workers, but he didn't change the program. God changed the people who would go out, but his work continues even today. Our limitations, our imperfections are good reasons for us to depend upon him and him alone. His sufficiency, God's sufficiency is what I depend upon, is where I get my strength. You know the scripture, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 and 10. Let me read it to you. This is where we'll close. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7, the Apostle Paul is writing, And least I should be exalted above measure in my, the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger from Satan to buffet me, least I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that I, it might depart from me. And the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may be rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches in needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul had been just given a wonderful, incredible revelation of God. He was, he was taken up to the third heaven, it says. So that he doesn't come back and go, hey, I was in the third heaven. I'm pretty cool, you know? Listen to me, I was in the third heaven. He's struck with a thorn in the flesh. We have no idea what it is. There's a billion books written about what this thorn is, and every one of them is different. So nobody knows what the thorn is. But it was given to him, a messenger of Satan. God allowed this to happen to him so that Paul wouldn't be exalted, so that God would be exalted, so that God would be exalted above everything, so that Paul, knowing that he is weak, but Christ is strong, knowing that in his weakness he can do nothing, 
Are you resting in the sufficiency of God today? Is that your resting point today? The sufficiency of God, regardless of the circumstances of your life, regardless of what's going on in your life right now, and I know many of you are dealing with many afflictions, infirmities, persecutions, pressures, problems, all sorts of things. Is God's grace sufficient to handle those needs? And are you relying on the sufficiency of God's grace? I don't know if Barnabas and Paul ever made up. Scriptures are kind of vague on that. We know that Barnabas had a wonderful life and was a son of encouragement and really had a great Christian life. I told you that John Mark did wonderful things. We know that Silas, we're going to read about Silas from now on because Silas accompanies Paul. And they meet this young man named Timothy and they bring him along. And the dream team just gets bigger and bigger and dreamier. If we believe God knows what he's doing, then we should be comforted that what he's doing is perfect. Regardless of how it looks in our lives and how we feel, Because God doesn't go by my feelings. Is the grace of God sufficient for you today? Because in that grace, that's where we find peace. That's where we find his comfort. That's where we find strength. Knowing that our Father who loved us so much That before we were born, centuries before we were born, he sent a Savior. A Savior that said, I will take away their sins. I will be sin for them. God's plan was perfect. And we know that he works all things together for good. How can a man hanging on a cross, bleeding and dying and suffering, Work out for my good. God's grace is sufficient for all our needs. Won't you rest in that grace today? Contentions will come and contentions will go. Arguments will happen and there will always be arguments. The flesh we carry around on us, our fleshly nature, sometimes we just cannot control and you will argue with other It's my hope that we can restore each other in love, that the arguments don't lead to separation or division. It's my hope that we would be submissive one to another and we would allow the love of Jesus to be satisfied and flow. And I would hope that we wouldn't come to doctrinal issues because then there is no line. When doctrinal issues arise, we must stand strong. And we might have division because of doctrinal issues. But God's grace is still sufficient. God's grace is still sufficient for all our needs. You are a You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth, even when it cost him his life. What courage in the midst of opposition! 
Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope.